Hello and welcome again to another episode of Real Estate Business Explained, the podcast where we help shed the light on the good, the bad, the ugly, and everything in between in what it looks like to run a successful real estate business. Today, I have an amazing guest, someone that I am a huge fan of, David Justizia from Vision Mortgage Group, who is going to shed a little bit of light on what it looks like to, to build your business on, well, I always recommend having several pillars that you use to build your business in terms of the leads that you bring in. But what he's going to talk about with us today is using investment clients to build a, a foundation of repetitive business for you to enjoy inside your real estate sales pipeline. So David, welcome. How did I do? Is there anything else that I should add about you? I'm, I'm, you're, you're this amazing person. You've got so much to share, so much to give. Is there anything that you want to just quickly say before I start drilling you with questions? Yeah, well, well, thanks so much for having me, Sean. Um, this is fantastic. I mean, love kind of helping people grow and, and learn how to build different niches of their business. Um, maybe I'll just start with a with a thirty second background about uh, who I am and 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 about our company. So, I come from the wealth management space previously. Um, spent a lot of time working with clients in financial planning and investment management, taxation, and you know, really helping people understand how to put a plan in place to grow their wealth and at a certain point in my career, determined that it made more sense for me to help clients grow wealth through leverage than through traditional financial products. Um, and with having already a, a fairly substantial background in credit and borrowing, ultimately decided to uh, partner up with, with my partner today, Sudanichuk, and launch the teams that we, we currently have. And so we run uh, two somewhat distinctly separate operations right now. We have Vision Mortgage Group, which is our residentially focused division. That's helping everything from first-time home buyers, people upsizing and downsizing, um, and residential investors. So people creating investment portfolios that have properties from one to four units, um, and you know helping them scale, create that vision, understand how to establish and execute that long-term goal. Second to that, we also have Vision Capital Partners. And so that operation is commercial lending focused. And so that would be people looking at larger scale multi-residential. So we're talking five, six units, all the way up to, you know, dozens or hundreds of units, large apartment buildings, um, land development, land banking and repositioning, land assembly loans, uh, industrial, um, owner-occupied build-outs, all that type of stuff. And so uh, that part of our, our company really focuses on the commercial asset class um, in, in its entirety and helping clients gain leverage through that uh, piece. And so for me, this is really our ability. We're, we're really here as a one-stop shop for agents and clients alike to be able to say, hey, we're, we, we're going to have somebody within the team who's going to be able to service whatever it is that yourself or your clients require by having different levels of expertise within different tranches of lending. Um, and so I think, I think what we're going to talk about today is great. I mean, very, very passionate real estate investor myself. Uh, absolutely love the space and happy to help realtors understand know what they need to do to differentiate themselves within that business and what does it take to be a more dedicated more focused investment agent either residentially or commercially as opposed to a more general agent who's typically just helping homeowners buy and sell homes that they intend to live in well and it's it's an interesting point too because when i look at it i i always tell agents you you need to eat a, a balanced diet of leads if if all of your leads that are coming in are coming from one main source something changes in the way that the market where you're finding your leads 
uh, operates or the way that you're interacting with people. A great example would be Facebook or Instagram. If all of your leads are coming in through Facebook or Instagram and they change the algorithms, you could just get cooked out overnight. And so I, I love the concept of having a focus where you're building part of your business through investors. But I also love that what you've done in your business kind of mirrors, you know, my advice because it makes me sound smart, which is don't just serve one market because then you might have a client who needs help on both sides and you're either going to turn them away or maybe not give the best service. And so it's, it's interesting that you've built your business where you've got a residential wing where you're serving home buyers and sellers and people who are buying multiple homes residentially, but then you've also got a commercial lending wing. Can you talk a little bit about why as a business owner, you chose to do that just before we get into the investment side of things? Yeah, so I think for me, it really comes down to kind of the passion that myself and my partner have behind what we do. Um, for, for us, it's really always been, I, I get a lot of the dopamine and the momentum in this business by helping people create wins, right? It's it's getting a buyer that didn't think they could buy a home into that first house. It's helping a client that's in a, in a difficult financial situation find a way into a consolidation or a self-employed person who's been, you know, declined at three banks, find their way into to a refinance or purchasing a home. Um, similarly with investment clients, right? Helping them scale and grow the portfolio. And it's, you know, uh, their bank could only get them to three properties and I help them get to seven. Um, and it's just like, that's a big part of the why behind what we do is just getting the enjoyment of watching people have, have a goal, have something in mind that they're looking to do and, and be the people responsible for helping them achieve it. And so, for us, those first couple tranches just were because we, we had a high level of expertise and a few different you know, degrees of, of real estate or types of real estate types of lending. Um, and then it spiraled on kind of a demand basis. And so for us, like if we look at the commercial portion of our business, that's something that we've been doing uh, for a lot less time than the residential side. And a lot of that was brought about by both personally and a client base and a realtor partner base that was expanding into that segment. Um, and so as we defined that those were the opportunities for myself and my partner to invest, and those are ultimately the types of investments we wanted to hold, um, and that this was the direction that a lot of our realtors were going, this was the direction a lot of our clients were going, it kind of became a, a natural progression to just continue to expand the business footprint um, and bring in ultimately people that have different specialties. Because as we grow, you know, my personal time and attention is, is somewhat limited in the sense that I can't do everything for everybody. And then ultimately it worked into us having, you know, different individuals within the team, different underwriters and analysts who specialize in different segments of the market. So, you know, as I do discovery calls with our clients or, you know, with a realtor on behalf of, of one of their clients that needs help, I'm able to help put that person into the right funnel and have them talking to the right individual who's going to have the right knowledge and expertise to service the, the thing that they need. And so, um, for us, it's turned into a really great strategy to be this one-stop shop solution um, for our realtor partners to say, it doesn't matter whether you're looking at a first-time home buyer or somebody that owns 100 properties. We have an ability within our team to help them. And so, you know, for us, that's been really powerful. Uh, and it's been really enjoyable to watch the, the fruits of that labor um, and be able to give those clients the confidence that, you know, hey, I'm going to help you buy your apartment building. I'm also going to help you, you know, with the strategy for the refinance of your, your personal residence. Um, and you're not going to have to talk to six different brokers to kind of coordinate what your total lending picture looks like. Makes total sense. So, you know, going back to having, 
you know, niches, or I call them pillars. It sounds like you might call them tranches in your business. Let's talk about the agent. You know, I find that with agents, usually what ends up happening is they either start out and all they want to do is investors. So they go out and maybe they were planning on getting their license just to invest and have as a tool. And they weren't even planning on selling houses. And then they got attracted to it because they realized they could make some, some good money and their connections were asking for help and stuff like that. Um, or I find the majority of agents get into real estate. They don't know much about investing and they wanted to serve people and they love real estate. So they just figured that they do it. And it becomes this thing that the longer they don't do it, the more it, it makes them uncomfortable to try to learn about it. And frankly, it's understandable, David, because the truth is that a lot of the stuff that goes into a, a an investment property transaction, especially when we start verging towards, you know, the more commercial side of things, it can get really complex. There's a whole bunch of language and terminology and tools. So usually what might happen is they'll, they'll get a couple of years in and they'll say, you know what, it doesn't make sense that I'm not good at this. I want to learn, but I don't know where. Where do I start? How do I get started? Can you talk a little bit about like, the agents that maybe you've had come and partner with you in your business, how you've led them or what resources you see them using, what they need to learn? Can you paint a bit of a picture of what, what do we do to get started in all of this? Yeah, I, I think that's a great question, John. I think for me, you know, understanding the client journey is really the starting point, right? So if if you have a client that's looking to invest in real estate, which obviously is becoming consistently more and more popular from, when I say regular people, I mean non-professional real estate investors, right? Just kind of your average Joe deciding that they'd like to own a couple of rental properties. I think the first thing is, what kind of value does a realtor have to deliver to make that make sense for them to be able to help their client, right? Because it's no longer just about, um, you know, showing them a property, helping them filter through listings based on price and based on their wants and needs, taking them through, negotiating the best possible deal, all those types of things that like buyers agents would traditionally be doing. Now it comes down into a lot of these buyers are relying on the realtors for advice. Right. And that's something we don't see as much of in the owner occupied space because a client's going through and saying, I like this. This is what this is the property that I can see me and my family living in. Where, you know, an investor client's coming through and saying, Does this make sense? Right. And so the onus on the agent is more about how do we learn how to determine that? How do we learn how to give advice to a client to say, like, does this purchase with these rents, with these types of properties, with these types of units, is this a sensible approach? Um and so the unfortunate reality is that a lot of people, you just really have to learn by doing. And I see a lot of realtors move into this space simply because they have existing clients that maybe they bought their home for them that are reaching out and saying, hey, I'd like to buy an investment property. And so they're kind of forced into it. Um, and so the, the few biggest things that I think I've seen realtors use to leverage success in learning this, first and foremost, and I can't stress this enough, is being a part of a team that has that mentality, right? So if, if you are not a solo agent and you're part of a broader team, being involved in a team where there's other realtors doing that, ultimately there's no better way to learn it, right? You're learning it from the people that have the expertise, some of whom have been doing this for years and decades. They are going to be the ones that help give you exposure, help give you understanding, help give you tools, help give you strategies for how to manage your clients and how to manage that journey for them. Um, you know, second to that, the lending side plays an even bigger part in that story for investor clients than it does for homeowner, the owner-occupied clients. 
Um, and so working with a broker that can help provide guidance. And so for us, you know, my team, both myself, my partner, director of commercial lending, we're all very personally vested into a real estate investment, right? All of every single one of us owns everything from like smaller residential properties for investment to like larger apartment buildings. Um, and so for us, it really comes down to being able to teach people the tools that not not only do we provide them to our realtors and our clients, but we're, we're using them ourselves to make our own investment decisions. And so there'll be a lot of times where we'll work with the realtor and say, look, I, I don't think you offering this property to your client is a good idea and here's why. Um, and so being able to help them analyze cash flow, right? Is this property going to cash flow? Is your investor going to have to put money out of their paycheck every month into that property? Or are we going to get the reverse? Is that property going to put money into their pocket every month? Um, analyzing tenant risk, analyzing uh, price per door, analyzing valuation, all of these types of things start to be a lot more tied together with the realtor and the lenders or the realtor and the brokers than they are in the owner-occupied space. Um, and so having a coach, working with an investments-focused real estate team that you can learn from, and having a mortgage partner that understands that space deeply are probably the three best ways for a realtor looking to go down this path to really learn about how it works and what to do. So in the event that, because I mean, a lot of people might be listening to this and thinking, okay, well, that all sounds great, but I don't have a commercial lender. And this isn't just a plug. I mean, people, I, I hope will reach out to you, but if not, reach out to someone who can support you. Or um, they might be listening to this and saying like, yeah, well, that sounds great, but you know, I'm not on a team and my business is going well. I don't want to join a team. So would it just be to assemble the best group of people around you that you could, or do you see a lot of people joining like networking groups or what, what are some of the other yeah, things like, that people reach out towards? And, and I would say like almost treat it the same as if you're the client, right? There's so many real estate investments, organizations and networking groups, and um, there's real estate investment coaches. There's, there's coaches that specialize in coaching for real estate investors. Um, I, I can't think of a major urban center in in Canada that doesn't have some sort of real estate investment group, be it the Wright Club or the Vaughn Investors Club or the, you know, like there's there's dozens of them, probably hundreds of them, too many to name. Um, but ultimately to just start educating yourself about how real estate investment works, right? Like you're educating yourself the same way the clients would go educate themselves. And then you're using that to help provide that value back to clients. Even hiring a direct coach is something that can be of huge value, right? There's people out there that are specifically there to coach on investment who understand the space really well. And um, and again, even with the broker partners, right? Like there's lots of realtors that we've taken through this journey and help them understand better and help screen deals for them and help give them pieces of feedback or guidance or tools, um, you know, tweaking conditions, like all sorts of things that we can kind of provide value to their their journey along that path and help them understand better how to do things. Um, and so I think that's really the, the best way is you have to be willing to be a self-starter. You have to be hungry. You have to like go out and learn it. There's so many resources out there for, for people to do so. Well, and it, it's funny because I see a lot of people that become apprehensive about the idea of working with investors. So they don't make that investment of time. They don't invest in themselves. They don't learn. And then what ends up happening is they they look at it as them losing a trade or two per year, but the ones who figure it out and learn how to make their investment pillar something that is sustaining itself and growing, what they don't, what the other ones don't realize is that if you do that right, you have one client who might buy a house from you every month. 
right? So it's not a Absolutely. couple of deals here and there that you're investing all this work to figure out. It's how can you go create 10 or 20 clients who each of them buys five to 10 homes a year? Because that right there could be a, a massive pillar in your business. So I think, I think it's something a lot of people overlook, but I want to shift gears for a second. I just want to ask you, I think the next thing that challenges realtors when they think about building this as a pillar into their business is the ambiguity, right? You mentioned when they start that a lot of them will look at it and they'll say, okay, I want to get into um, investing and I, I don't know how to do it. And I know that I want to because my client reached out to me and asked for help. So the client might say, I want to buy a second home. I want to make an investment, something like that. Or they might even come with a product in mind. And as a realtor, we look at this and we're like, yeah, great. I'll, I'll give you some advice. I mean, they taught me about a cap rate in school. So I figured, figure that out and then off we go. We're good to go. But true investment specialists know that there's a whole world underneath the basics of a second home or a cap rate. And from my perspective, it usually comes down to two sides. There's the strategy that you employ. Are you flipping? Are you buy and hold? Are you, uh, are you doing burrs, you know, buy, renovate, rent, refi, all that fun stuff. Or, oh, and then, sorry, and, and I should say, on top of that, there's also the asset class. So maybe we won't get too deep into the different strategies because that could be a four-hour conversation as well. But I know that usually realtors who specialize in an investment will also, they'll have a niche within investing that is a style of property or ownership, for example, residential, commercial, multi-residential, coin laundry, self-storage, where you get deep into it. But where do we start with all this? Where are you seeing people have a lot of success? What's the most common thing for people to be able to flip maybe an unregular homeowner into as a second investment? Can you speak a little bit, bit to that? Yeah. So I, I think like traditional, and by traditional, I mean like kind of regular multifamily real estate. So like one unit, duplex, triplex, fourplex stuff that kind of falls within residential financing. That's almost always the easiest place to start. Um, and if I'm being pretty fair about it, niching tends to be based on servicing a particular client demographic, right? So if I start just kind of, I'm starting to acquire real estate investor clients, starting to do more and more business. And then I have one client that says, Dave, I want you to find me some land. Or Dave, I want to do car washes. Or Dave, I want to do light industrial. Your ability to learn and adapt and educate yourself is ultimately going to come down to, in, in most cases, people aren't going to do kind of the cart before the horse. It's not like I'm going to go learn how to be a realtor for light industrial property, and then I'm going to go find clients who that want to buy light industrial property. They're going to have clients that want to buy light industrial property, and so in an effort to make use of that opportunity and service their, their existing clients, they're going to go learn that space. And so, you know, that's largely how I see a lot of this growth is just client driven, right? It's, it's, we're going to follow the map of the opportunities that are in front of you. And as you have clients that are looking to invest in different things and bringing different things to your table, it's about how are you uniquely positioned to educate yourself and adapt and, and become an expert in that in a very small amount of time. And I think for a lot of people, if you have kind of that broad-based knowledge and that broad-based experience, you know, somebody can come to me and, and ask me to investigate a new type of mortgage product. It's not going to take me long to become an expert because a lot of the fundamentals map over, right? There's some tweaks here and there, maybe some different lenders that play in the space, maybe some different restrictions or rules that I have to abide by. But because I have that really broad baseline, I can learn different styles of lending and become very competent in them very quickly. 
very much the same as, as real estate, right? And so if that's the focus that you take is just continuing to deliver expertise and value to the clients, I think that's huge. And then the other thing we see is a lot of agents, especially the ones that are more uh, focused or, or have only done residential, is they're bringing in agent partners. So if I have a client, if I'm a residential agent, I've only ever helped people buy one, two, three, four unit properties. I have a client that comes to me and says, Dave, I found this great 25 unit apartment building. Um, I'd like to, to take a look and get an assessment on it and look at putting an offer in. I'm not gonna take the liability of that massive undertaking if I've never done it completely solo. I'm gonna go find a commercial agent that specializes in multifamily investing and say, hey, are you open to you know co-brokering this with me? Let's share this client. Let me come along for the ride so I can learn. And I'm going to hand you the reins to take the lead on helping this person do this transaction, right? And then you become this conduit for your client. And at the same time, you're receiving tremendous value by being able to learn from, from other pros that are out there. That makes a ton of sense. And frankly, I've done that myself as well. Just you see an opportunity, but you don't feel that you're going to be able to deliver the highest level of service. I always had a rule in my business that I would I would just wouldn't take a piece of business unless I firmly believed that I was the absolute best choice they could have for the transaction. I'd either bring someone yeah. else in or I'd refer it out. Yeah. So different than, I, I mean, this sounds like a silly analogy, but it's so different than, than, you know, geographic restrictions, right? If a client's looking to buy or sell something six hours away, you're not the best choice. And, and realtors are very used to, you know, referrals and, and matching people with clients in the right market to help them. It's no different with asset class, right? I have a ton of, commercial agents that, that we use and a lot of their clients are residential agents who invest commercially for themselves. Um, and so they'll be coming and they'll be engaging the support of a commercial agent to go invest in an asset class that quite frankly, they don't know a whole lot about and they need the help and guidance of how to do those deals. So maybe then let's do this because I think one path that would be common would be, um, they refer to this as the stack. You buy a duplex, then you buy a fourplex then you buy a sevenplex, then you buy a 14 unit building, then you buy a 32 unit building and you buy. So you just, every time it's, you're moving up a notch on the ladder in terms of the size of the building that you're, you're closing on. So can you talk a little bit about the transition from residential multifamily? So five mm -hmm. or less to commercial multifamily. Yeah, that that's a, that's a great question. Sean, my answer to that question has changed over the years. Um, and I think I'm going to take a couple steps back. It's largely client dependent. And what I mean by that is residential lending and commercial lending have very different qualification criteria. So um, I'm going to give just a random example. We did a deal with a client. They were very liquid, seven figures of cash capital. They were technically a realtor not really a practicing one, maybe closed a deal a year. And so their personal income was tremendously low, like basically nothing, right? But they had lots of money. And so in discussing that particular client's real estate strategy, it was very quickly determined that residential investment real estate was not gonna be a good fit because the debt servicing requirements around having income to qualify didn't really give us the ability. We're going to be fighting an uphill battle to try and do something productive in that space. But if he deployed that capital as a nice, healthy down payment on a turnkey apartment building, 
the commercial lenders out there didn't have a problem with it because the building itself serviced that debt pretty smoothly. And so for that individual, it made sense to jump right into multifamily. For other individuals, it's going to make sense to create wealth and, and build liquidity through residential. I think for a lot of people, the biggest, the two biggest hurdles that they kind of have to go through before they step into the commercial space is experience and net worth liquidity. Um, the commercial lenders are not interested in lending to people whom this investment is their first rodeo, right? If this is the first time you've ever owned investment in real estate, and you're going to go try and buy a 20-unit apartment building. That's not going to give the commercial lenders a very warm and fuzzy feeling about lending to you because there's a huge amount of execution risk, but you ultimately botch the project because you don't know what you're doing. Hmm. The other thing with commercial lending is the barrier to entry around the net worth you have to have and the liquid cash you have to have available is quite high. Um, where in certain markets you can get into residential real estate investing, fifty thousand, a hundred thousand. Um, you know, there's very few markets that we can tap into larger commercial deals with under five, six, seven, eight hundred thousand dollars of capital, and you know, a one, two, three million dollar net worth behind the person. And so, some people have to use residential real estate as a stepping stone to gain that experience and gain that net worth of liquidity, where others may already have a lot of that. And they're able to kind of skip those other steps and jump into bigger projects, jump into more complex projects, simply because they they have some of these prerequisites to go right into the commercial space. And over time, different types of spaces have a different level of attraction and, and different returns. And so, you know, what we're seeing in the really short term is that commercial multifamily real estate is still pretty lucrative for a lot of people where the residential side with where rates have gone and where prices are like in a lot of markets right now, it's a bit tough to make sense of the deals. It's a bit tough to find that stuff that cash flows. And so we're seeing a lot of investors try and push themselves into the commercial space, sometimes even before they're ready, simply because that's where the opportunity is. Um, and so it really just depends on the market, depends on the client, but really figuring out how to screen those clients and help them understand what type of investment properties they may be best suited for and, and guide them in the direction where their approach to execution is not going to be an uphill battle. That makes a ton of sense. How about the realtor? How does a realtor prepare themselves moving from, say you're comfortable, and I think I said five or less, but it's four or less, if I'm not mistaken, for our listeners, when you're still in the residential world. Let's say you want to make that jump. You find the perfect property. You haven't written a commercial deal before. It's seven units. Um, it's, it's going to be a different kind of financing. What does the realtor need to prepare themselves for? What do they need to know? Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, I, I almost, I would almost unequivocally say partner with a commercial agent. I, I know that sounds like not the answer that most people want to hear, if I'm being honest. But it's not a space where there is a ability to make mistakes. It's not the type of space where you can afford to screw something about that transaction up. Um, and so when we look at the conditioning list, when we look at the schedule A's and B's, like these offers are tremendously different than residential offers from basically every condition is, is completely different. The expectations around timeframe for conditional periods, how the closing dates are set. It's not always just a firm closing date where we're picking a date. There's, there's lots of stuff around that, um, allotments. Like I'm going to give you a really interesting example of where, things can go really wrong. So um, situation where a client had a, a realtor had a, had a property, they purchased it, it was under contract. They had a conditional period. 
one of the things in that conditional period was an environmental site assessment. And so uh, that's a, a type of report that's often used in commercial lending. The client ultimately, that the, the environmental site assessment was not able to be done in time for the conditional period. And in an effort for them to continue pushing forward, the client said, look, I'm willing to take the risk. Let's weigh the condition. Let's go firm on this, irrespective of the fact that we don't have the outcome of this reporting done yet. So they waived the condition. Uh -oh. So the report the the the, um, the people had already been on site, and so they'd already they just didn't have the samples back yet. They didn't have the final outcome. So the outcome came in, and unfortunately, the the phase one for environmental site assessment recommended further due diligence, right? And and that's something called the phase two. And so in a phase two, they have to go back to the site. It takes another six eight weeks, and they have to drill boreholes, and there's a whole bunch of other stuff that has to happen. So. Realtor goes back to the listing agent and says, hey, you know, here's the situation. Phase one came back not clean. I get we're firm, not a problem. Like we're staying firm. We're not combating that. We waived our condition. Um, but we need to go back in and, and have them do a phase two. The lender's going to need the outcome of that phase two. And the listing agent said, nope, you've waived your right to visit the site for this purpose. We're not going to allow you to complete this report. And so cutting to the chase, ultimately the phase two came back clean. But what had to happen is the client now had to close with a private mortgage who was willing to lend on an ambiguous phase one, absorb a huge amount of cost, then pay for the phase two once they own the property. And then now that that was clean and satisfied, go back to the lender that they were originally planning to fund this with and do that. And all of that came down to the wording of the cause and the wording of the contract whereby by waiving that clause, we weren't simply going firm, we were actually relinquishing the right to visit the site and inspect for that purpose. And had that clause been worded differently, they could have said, we're going firm in that notice of fulfillment, it might have been an amendment instead saying, hey, we're going to firm up and waive this environmental site assessment. However, you're agreeing to reserve the right that should they need to revisit for further due diligence, you're reserving the right to do so. That two sentences probably cost their client $70,000. That's a lot um, more than splitting the commission. These are types of things that you can't afford to make a mistake on. And so if you don't have a high degree of competency in how some of these clauses are worded, the risk to your client around representing them and not understanding how to properly represent them for you as an agent is monstrous. And I would, I would suggest that people avoid trying to do that and instead partner with an agent who is experienced in that and be transparent about the fact that, hey, I'm going to bring you some clients. We're going to split some commission on a few deals. Um, but I'd like to really use this as an opportunity to learn from you so that ultimately we don't have to do this forever and that eventually I'm going to have a sense of comfort to do these transactions on my own. That makes a ton of sense. David, we're we're coming right up on the end of our time here. I got two more questions though that I want to ask you. And the first one, I didn't warn you about this. So I'm just going to, I'm going to catch you offside with it. What book do you recommend that someone interested in real estate investing as a oh. realtor or as an individual, what do you recommend that they read? My favorite. Um, okay, I'm going to give two. One of them's really obvious. Um, MREA, first of all, okay. like absolutely the the book from the the Kelly, Gary Keller and the Kellerman's family on the millionaire real estate um, agent is such a great path, and I've watched so many agents use it really successfully in following that path. And I think they have a similar book. I, I think it's similar title. Uh, Millionaire Real Estate Investor, something yep. like that. MREI. Uh, yeah, MREI. 
Great point. Um, same thing, like really well-structured kind of step-by-step guide. And then the other piece that I think that a lot of people lack, and so my, my answer is going to be very different, is a book called Profit First. Um, and it's a book around bookkeeping and financial management. And it's it's for any business owner, realtor, investor, whatever, but it's applicable to investment and, and to realtors. Um, and so it's a great book to kind of teach people how to structure their finances and their banking and their cash flows in a way that really allows them to be clear and successful about the dollars and cents. And it works equally for real estate agents as it does for investors. I think it's a tremendous book for people to leverage um, for those that are not super financially inclined and aren't like excited to receive a profit and loss statement from the bookkeeper at the end of every month to rip through their financials. It's a really easy way to kind of leverage all of the benefit that, you know, companies that have CFOs and have financial controllers are leveraging and understanding of the financial situation without having to kind of be that person or have that background. And it's it's kind of like a layman's version of how do you properly run the finances of your business if you're not a finance expert? Um, and I think it's a tremendous book for any real estate agent or investor. I'm just going to tag onto that and share that my experience is that most people getting into real estate didn't have a business background before they got into it. And maybe kind of like real estate investing, the financial side of the real estate business itself can overwhelm and they become apprehensive about learning about it. Ladies and gentlemen, when you start to learn about this and you start to pay attention to it, it goes from being a burden, a thing of discomfort. It goes to being a celebration. Understanding the, the financial side of the business is what the business is. The, the background, the backbone of the business is built on the numbers. And the more you learn about it, the more exciting it is to run the business. So that's a great recommendation. It's a great book. Both those, all three of those books are fantastic. And last question, David, how do our listeners get in touch with you? Yeah, fantastic. Um, so we can be reached best over email, um, admin at visionmortgagegroup.ca. It's a great way to get in touch. Uh, we also have an Instagram page. So at Ask Vision Mortgages uh, on Instagram and happy to touch base with any agent or agent who has clients or anybody that really wants to learn or, or pick our brain a little bit more about the space and about what options are out there. Fantastic. Well, I'm so grateful that you came on today. We'll make sure to drop all of your info in the show notes as well in case people want to connect. And thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks so much, Sean. Great. Perfect. You're awesome. Thank you. That was fantastic. Yeah, thank you. Sorry, I know a little bit of a tangent on that example, but like I just... No, but that's exactly what they need to hear. It's exactly what they need to hear because people don't think about the loss that they could cause someone... And they just figure, well, I'm going to try it. I see agents all the time not giving up on deals that they should just give up on. And the other thing that we didn't talk about is how much time they could go ahead and invest and the deal doesn't close because they screwed it up. So yeah. no, I, I think that was a great example. Okay, I've got a hard stop at half past. Let's shoot a couple things. What what can we Perfect. do that would be useful for your social? Yeah. You just so ask me questions and I'll kind of I'm go. I'm just going to launch into like 90 seconds of questions. It's going to be really quick. Um so, Sean, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, everyone, we have... No, I want to restart that. We think for two seconds. For all those real estate agents out there that are looking for coaching, looking for ways to grow their business, today we're here with Sean Provancha from Endgame. Sean, we want to ask you a couple quick questions about why real estate coaching for realtors is important. Awesome. Thanks um, for having me. Absolutely. So first question, tell us a little bit about Endgame does and and how, what kind of ways that they add value to realtors. Oh, so he, here's the deal. 
most coaching organizations focus on just connecting with you on a periodic basis to give you support. The challenge is that in between, you're left to implement everything on your own. What we do that's a little bit different is that we've got a community to be part of where you have access to support every single day. So there's a, a place that you can go on a daily basis to learn, to get one little new piece of insight. And then spaced out, you still have that intermittent, more close personal advice and support that you get with traditional coaching. But your coach isn't using that high value time to teach you. They're helping you design and build your business. And you're growing, you're learning on a daily basis in between. Tell us one success story from the end game repertoire of, of agents who've been with you guys. We have a few of our alumni that we're really proud of. So we we regularly see um, agents coming into our business who are already established. Maybe they're doing $150,000 or $200,000 a year or $300,000 a year. And we regularly see these people doubling or tripling their business their first year with us. Uh, we have one agent who grew the one team owner who grew the his agent count by 85% since he started coaching with us. But one story that I'm really proud of is an agent who came into our organization brand new. He'd never sold a home. And he did $100,000 in commission in his first 90 days. And he did about $300,000 of commission his first year in real estate. And he attributes, I mean, he worked really hard, David. I'm not going to sugarcoat. He worked really hard. But he attributes a lot of that success to just showing up every day to those daily sessions that I was talking about a moment ago and making it his intention that all he was going to do that day was just implement the new thing that he learned. So he just learned one thing every day, implemented it, tried it out, made it part of his repertoire, and he built a six-figure business his first year in real estate. That's that's amazing. Super impressive, Sean. How do people get in contact with, with you and Endgame? Best way is email again, or you can go to our website. So you can go to endgamecoaching.com um, or you can shoot me an email. Send me an email, Sean, S-E-A-N, at endgamecoaching.com. Awesome. Thanks so much. Thank you.